If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good Tuesday morning, football fans. We appreciate you streaming in here bright and early at the top of the show. And as of right now, you got Mac and Mac, John McCone <laughs> and Jody McDonald. That wasn't the case yesterday. Some weather gods, streaming technology gods got the best of yours truly yesterday. I had major internet issues and uh, I jumped in for like 10 seconds. I, Jody, you sound like a robot. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> so I did. Uh, but apparently, at least where I am these days, the internet is good. So I'm planning on being here the next two hours. John McMullen, and maybe you say you're looking at a major yeah. storm where you are. It is coming down, Jody. End of days where I am. So it gave me a little bit of a hiccup right as I tried to get on this morning. Hopefully it's okay now. We're both here to start the show. Will you got to stay tuned for the next <coughs> two hours to find out if we can both stay with the show throughout uh, one of the beauties of uh, doing what we do here on uh, StreamYard and on the Jacob Sports Media channel. Uh, I'm sorry that I missed the show. Yes, I'm sure it's great. You, Ed Kratz, and uh, Tone hopping in and uh, Xander hopping in. Takes about four or five people to replace me. Let's be honest. Yeah. Bob Glauber. Don't forget Bob. Bob was a... uh... A big part of the show yesterday. I'm uh, disappointed you missed Bob because he's always fun. So am I. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it takes uh, Herculean effort. Uh, and I, yeah. had to, I had to play traffic cop to all that, Jody. So I'm glad to see you. I'm the my happiest apo- to see you. My apologies for uh, technical difficulty yesterday. But we got plenty to talk about today. And I want to start with the head coach, John. I saw the latest uh, story you put up on jacobsports.com about uh, Nick Sirianni <clears throat> and who he's leaning into here in year number two as the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. 
Uh, we know the job he did last year, took over four and 12 team, got them into the postseason, got them above 500, nine and seven. Yeah, yeah. All right, fine. Nine and eight. But that last game doesn't count for me. I did a pretty darn good job off to a slow start. We've analyzed, overanalyzed why they weren't good early and the change to the run. And was it the fact that they didn't put enough work in in preseason that they had to grow into the team they were going to become? Yeah, we can debate all of that. But the final analysis is they made it to the postseason in Nick Sirianni's first year. Not when, not easy when you're coming off of 4-12. and 12. Uh, You got to go thumbs up. It has to be considered a successful year for Nick Sirianni. So now he's no longer a rookie head coach. Now he's a seasoned veteran of one year in the National Football mm-hmm. League. And in the uh, workouts they've been having during this offseason, he's had some interesting visitors. He has become friendly with some pretty darn good coaches, like a Dick Vermeil, who uh, is, as you said in the story, Eagle coaching royalty, and Philly coaching royalty, Jay Wright, who's got some downtime because he's no longer coaching the Wildcats. So he's making it out to practice. He's having dinners with Nick Sirianni. How much is Sirianni actually learning and taking in from these very well-known coaches here? You know, I I do think it's a lot. And they were helping them last year. You know, it's one of those things where um, when you come into the community, obviously, and um, Dick Vermeil has decided to make this his home. And obviously, despite uh, his career arc, which is a strange one, uh, to be honest, that will end in Canton this summer. Uh, you know, all that time he took off and, and went into the television booth and college football, and then he came back and uh, won a Super Bowl uh, and, be, you know, sort of validated the Hall of Fame coach that he is. You know, everyone would joke, it was always spelled help you with Dick. And, you know, the, the, the big billboard on I-95, it never left the insurance billboard. He <laughs> was just, you know, the people loved him here and he loved it here. Uh, and he's always stayed a close part of the Eagles organization in both retirements, I guess. Um, but, uh, it, you know, it, it's funny how, uh, and Nick probably doesn't want me saying this, but he, he is an actual huge uh michigan basketball fan uh fat five guy um but he sort of turned into a jay wright fan when he got here um and obviously we know jay's success but i i i mean he's just a student and i'm talking about nick he's just a student of coaching and great coaches and i kind of you know pointed this similarly toward howie roseman when he um, sort of went away to the exile to the business side of the organization, so to speak. And he took the opportunity to go visit R.C. Buford and Brian Cashman and uh, Manchester United, whoever runs Manchester United, all these great uh, uh, GMs uh, or, you know, organizational chiefs. It doesn't matter the sport, right? If you know how to team build, you know how to team build. Same thing with coaching. It doesn't matter the, the sport. If you know how to coach, it's about motivating. It's about teaching people uh, more than X's and O's. And Nick is is very uh, in tune toward learning from everyone, whether it's Frank Reich in, in the NFL or it's Jay Wright in college basketball. In his mind, if you're a good coach, you're a good coach, and there's a reason. 
and he wants to figure out what the reason is. And I, I, I think that's a good thing. I think it's a smart thing too. And if you're going to tap into other <clears throat> coaches, you might as well make them championship coaches like Dick Vermeil and, and Jay Wright. So he has access to guys who know what it's all about to win it all. The one thing that kind of surprises me is um, the way the Eagles are constructing their offseason this year where less is more. I bet that neither Vic, Dick Vermeil or Jay Wright oh, would yeah. believe that less well, is more. That sports science says you don't really want to practice because there are injury possibilities. I'm wondering how uh, Nick is working through that dynamic with his coaching buddies. You know, I get a I get a lot of pushback when I bring that up, Jody, because I, you know, I, I, here's how I described it, and uh, you know, I. I put this on Jacob sports. I put it on sports illustrated, um, jacobsports.com. Got to get the plug in. Um, it, 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 if it were up to Nick Sirianni, I think it's pretty clear they wouldn't be doing it the way they've been doing it. And, you know, I, there, there are stages you are in your career. Like and 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 this is how I compare it because I, I think the decision starts and I've said it pretty and clearly on this show, and I've said it a number of times, this is our Stenota decision, the Eagles' chief medical officer. This is his decision. Or, or I shouldn't say decision. I should say advice. This is yeah, his so advice. It should be a suggestion, not a yes. decision. Yes, should be his advice. Now, if he were in Boxborough, if he were in Kansas City, for instance, um, his advice would be the same. I don't think the result would be the same because Bill Belichick and Andy Reid have more cachet. They're at where they are in their stage of their careers. Nick Sirianni is where he is, as you mentioned. We, he, he's coming into a second year, Jody. He was a rookie head coach. I think is successful rookie head coach. But there are levels of power in this league. And he doesn't have a lot of it right now, to be honest. So I think it's kind of common sense that he's got to defer at times to others in or in the organization. Now, if he turns into Bill Belichick, if he turns into Andy Reid, which is unlikely, if he turns into Dick Vermeil, a Hall of Fame coach, I mean, the odds are always against that. But if he's a very successful coach, if he's in his 10th year instead of his uh, second year, I think the Eagles are going about things a different way because I think Nick would put his foot down and say, you know what, uh, I hear you, but we have to do this and we have to get this done and we have to get this done. That's my opinion. A lot of people disagree with it. We're going to have EJ Smith on uh, in 920. We'll see what he says. We'll ask him that. I said Cratch yesterday. I, I didn't, you know, and he leans towards, he thinks Sirianni's really involved. Sirianni's on board. We've, we've heard that from other people. I don't buy it. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't buy it for a second. I should have brought it up with Bob, but Bob's not here every day. He doesn't know the intricacies of the organization. He's more of a national guy, New York guy. Um, so, but we've all, we all say the same thing. We all say the same thing as writers and reporters. We've never met a football coach uh, who didn't want to practice. We all say that. We all agree with that. And yet there's this sort of 
parting of the ways where some of us say, no, I think Nick's on board. I'm not, I'm not in that camp. I don't think Nick is on board. I'm going to be honest. No, he's, he's on board to the extent that they're not practicing as much as almost every other team in the national football league. He's, if he's being advised, if not, uh, demanded to uh, not uh, spend X amount of time on the football field. He's not giving any pushback and he's going in front of the media and saying, this is the way we're doing it going forward. He's at least parroting the company line. So he has to be on board to that extent. So you should know, well, what's coming next here, Johnny Mack, a hypothetical question for you. Uh, Eagles go 12 and five, win the division, win a playoff round. They're having their postseason get-together with all important individuals that is run by Howie Roseman. And Howie says, hey, we had a great season at 12-5. and We need to do things exactly the same coming back again next year. Does Nick Sirianni have the gravitas to step up and go, yeah, we're 12-5. and We won a playoff game. I thought we could have been 13 and four and we could have been in the NFC championship game. One of the reasons why I don't think we made it there was because we didn't practice enough. We didn't put in enough time. We need to correct that going into the season. Can that happen in that all important postseason meeting between the powers that be for the Philadelphia Eagles? Uh, I think it will happen. Um, and I think it's already happened, uh, to be honest. Uh, does he have the gravitas? I don't think so. At, at, that's still early in his career. One playoff win, I think Howie would then default to, no, that's the reason we got to where we got to, and it would still be that. I think we're talking about somewhere down the road, you know, Super Bowl championship level, fourth year, fifth year. Um, oh, so you think you have- we're years away from him flexing his muscles enough to say, hey, I'm the head coach, and we need to do it this way. I think he already flexes those muscles. No, Next he does. Time- he, what do you mean he flexes? They, they, they practice less than every team except the Cincinnati Bengals, John. That's the only thing that, that matters is no, what's by- actually happening on the field. Well, I don't um, – what I mean by flexing his muscles is I don't think he goes in there and, and says, okay, roll over me. I don't think he has that personality. I think there's there's a pushback. You know, Jen Psaki just retired the 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 the, the press secretary press secretary for the White House. Not retired, but moved on to the media. Um, you know, she didn't agree with everything she has to say up there. No freaking way. Never. Zero. Zero chance of that happening. But she's got to do it. She's got to spin it in the best way possible. Same thing with a head coach. I brought this up with Ed yesterday. I bring it up all the time to give an example. When the Eagles won the Super Bowl and scheduled to go to the White House, we know all the controversy because Donald Trump was still president. Um, It ended up a bunch of players didn't want to go. Um, Eagles had to uh, shift things out. Poor Doug Peterson is up there as the voice of the organization. He had nothing to do with that stinking decision, but he had to go up and talk about it. And I said, I wrote at the time, I said, that should have been Jeffrey Lord. At the bare minimum, it should have been Howie Roseman. Uh, Doug Peterson? No. But that's part of the job. You, you know, unless you're in Howie season, which is over now, where where Harry will, Howie will actually speak about the, you know, the buildup of the roster and things like that. Then it's the head coach, man. He is the press secretary. He is the voice of the organization. And he's got to put the best spin possible. 
what I'm, I'm what I'm telling you, Jody, is behind the scenes that pushback is there, but right. he doesn't have the gravitas to 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 succeed. Is what I'm trying to get across. Fair enough. If you think behind closed doors, he's pushing back, but when push comes to shove, you're not going to push that hard because he is just a second year coach. Uh, okay, I get that. I'm talking about when he pushes back and he puts his foot down and says, "No, listen, I'm the coach. You want me to coach a football team? Let me coach it the way I want to coach it. If not," Yeah, okay, I'll up and get out of here. Uh, that's true pushback. That's putting your foot down. Yeah, well, that's Doug Peterson level pushback. And and the Eagles, by the way, Nick Sirianni knows that because he just succeeded a guy, won the Super Bowl, put his foot down, and is out the door. So, you know, his he knows it. His agent knows it. Uh, you have to put that in the equation as well. But as he gets more success, look. You know, if he wins those 12 games, as you mentioned, a playoff game, he's still under contract. There's not much he can do, but I guarantee you this. It won't be Nick Sirianni pre-Eagles. He'll be he'll be a known commodity. He'll be a wanted commodity, and he will have more power to push back. So it's got, I've, I've said it for a while. Put an asterisk on this. It's going to be interesting down the road because um, – I, I don't think Nick Sirianni's completely on board. Now, there's always the chance I'm wrong as well, Jody. And and if he does win 12 games, he might say, you know what? It is working. Uh, so what's the big deal? So there's always that avenue as well. But just from knowing the guy and just from getting to know him, he doesn't strike me as the guy who doesn't want to practice. It doesn't strike me as that. He's, he's a coach's coach, so I yeah. would think he wants to practice too. So, yes, I think he's taking marching orders. All right, one more quickie before we punch up our first guest uh, of the day. I ran this by Kevin Cooney uh, last night on WIP. Uh, I don't have it in front of me off the top of my head. I think I remember. Eagles' first four games are uh, at Detroit, home Vikings, at Washington, home Jacksonville against Doug Peterson. What are the Eagles going to be at? After four games in, what do you think their record's going to be? I think they're going to be three and one would be my best guess. I think anything less than that will be a big issue. People will be very upset. Uh, obviously, if you only win one or something of that nature, it's a disaster. But I think this team is too young um, at certain positions. Obviously, the most important being quarterback head coach even as well um to be that consistent to go okay they're favored in all four of these games which is probably going to happen they're going to win all four of these games that you got to be really consistent to go out and win 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 in right. the nfl right. i think same way as you three and one uh we do this all the time with the the seasonal record are you a strong three and one or a weaker three and one? If I told you they can't go three and one, you have to either go up a game or both go back a game. Uh, more likely four and oh, or more likely two and two. Uh, I'm going back early in the season. I'm going two and two. You'd go two and two. All right. See, I would go four and oh. I, we're both the three and one, but if you tell me three and one can't happen, I would say they win all four because I think you are correct. I've stated it too. They're going to be favored in all four games. Unless something really goes sideways for them and they get beat by Detroit and then beat by Minnesota and the commanders are 2-0, and 
in Washington, I guess they could be an underdog in that game. I don't see them an underdog. Slight chance they'll be an underdog in that game. I'm with you. Um, But I think they're going to be favoring all four. So four and oh, more so than two and two. If they get out two and two, and I know this is a ridiculous question to ask because you need to be able to look at each individual game, but I'm asking you to project a little bit. How much are we going to be questioning? the length of practice time the Eagles put in if they get off to a two-and-two start. We know this past year they were two-and-five. I lay it much more so on the opposition than I do the workout stuff that they put in. They had a tough early season schedule, and they had a much easier second half of the schedule and took advantage of it playing against third-string quarterbacks. But assuming relative health to the Eagles and the four teams they're playing, if this team is two-and-two, how much are people questioning Howie Roseman, uh, the doctors, uh, the overall organization, and how much is Peterson going to have to fight that off, even though you and I both suggest it's not his idea to practice this little? I think uh, uh, not much, to be honest, for this reason. I, I think people will forget the spring. Not if they're but, watching Birds 365, they're well, not going to forget. There's going to be certain people. You know, I always say, I bring it up. I bring up Arcelot. McLean brings up Arcelot. There's going to be certain people that bring it up, but I don't think it's going to be a huge narrative because I think people will forget. They'll go through training camp. You'll have the, you'll have the, you know, first two games is is sort of like the new preseason for everybody because of the scaled back training camps. But they're like a lot of people might be, you know, if they have short practices, which they're probably going to have in training camp again. I think it'll be more focused on that. Then spring work is all I'm saying. Um, spring work is developmental work. It, it is what it is. It's not important. I think Zach Berman gave us the number 40, whatever you want to put the number at, the top 30, top 40 on the roster. Eh, it's not that big of a deal for them. To me, it's a bigger deal for the other guys, the other 50, the other 60, uh, who you're trying to develop in the players. Does, does it set you back? down the road i think that's a more valid question a bigger question and i think it's it's a possibility to be honest we'll, we'll see when we get there i can't wait for joint practice because then someone other than arch to note is going to de- declare and have say over how much the eagles are actually doing as far as work goes because you got to kind of uh, share the responsibility with the other team that you're practicing against. All right, he's John McMullen. I'm Jordan McDonald. We got through an entire segment with no technical difficulty. Uh-huh. Yeah, let's hear it for us. I uh, appreciate uh, you streaming on in with us here on Birds 365. We're going to take our first time out, hoping to be joined by Ryan Watstein from WIP. Um, we don't have him in the green room yet. Uh, yeah, we would have by I now. Gotta- and EJ, uh, Tone, if you're listening, EJ needs the link as well for, for 920. So, okay. so we'll, we'll see. We'll, we got to get people the links, Jerry. Make sure these two guys are linked up so they can link on in and stream on in with us here on Birds 365. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. 
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Your Mega Mac guys, John McMullen and Jody McDonald here with you on Birds 365. Uh, waiting on our first guest to hop in uh, the fray with us, Ryan Rothstein uh, from WIP, uh, to get get aboard. Uh, having shocker here, some technical difficulties being able to get him the link and uh, get him streaming on in with us. But uh, we'll continue to effort that uh, while we wait for Ryan. I do want to hit you with this, John. Um, I forget whose article I was reading. I don't know if it was on Inside Eagles or uh, Eagles Wire or whatever. Um, but one of the guys mentioned that, and the Eagles favorite in the NFC East. And I said, no, that's not the case. So I checked a couple of different sites. You know, I use Parks as uh, my, my wagering outlet. And Parks had the Cowboys to win the NFC East this year at plus 130 the Eagles at plus 180, and the Commanders and the Giants thereafter. Uh, so the Eagles have narrowed the gap from the end of the season when both teams made the playoffs and were eliminated one game in. The I don't I, – I, I get off on my own tangents and my own questions. Which was more painful for a fan base? The way the Eagles lost to the Bucks. Not good, ugly, out of it by halftime. Or the way the Cowboys lost, had the chance. All they had to do was get up, spike the football. They get one last play. Which which would you say was more painful for the fan base, the mm, way the NFC mm. East teams lost, Dallas or Philadelphia? I think, you know, I think, and all fans are different, but I'm going to go with the average fan. I think 
the disappointment comes with the expectations. So I think Dallas would be more disappointed um, than he. I don't think a lot of people, I don't think a lot of people who are honest thought they were going to beat Tampa Bay on the road with a rookie head coach and a young quarterback. Except there were a when, lot. I know what you're saying, Jody. We had that discussion. A lot of people said, I want Tampa Bay. Give us it. Tampa Bay. Please yeah. let us play Tampa but Bay. I, and How'd that work said, out for him? I said, that's why I said fans who are honest with themselves. Um, and I made that caveat, um, which there are a lot of fans who are never, there are a lot of Dallas <laughs> fans who aren't honest with themselves, but probably yes. Um, I think Dallas had higher expectations. So I think for the most part, the majority probably more disappointed by that. I think Eagles fans, again, the ones who are uh, more lucid, shall we say, uh, probably knew in the back of their head, this is going to be really difficult. Uh, Maybe they were disappointed by the level of the beatdown, but, but not by the loss. Uh, Everybody's disappointed. But yeah, if you force me to pick one, I would say expectations and Dallas had the greater expectations. And the expectations were formulated by the fact that Dallas was home. <clears throat> they won the division. San Francisco went in and beat them in their house. The Eagles had to take it on the road down to Tampa and they yeah, got their heads handed to them. But uh, you're right. They were in, in a pretty good underdog in that game, despite Yes, fielding calls on my WIP show here in Philadelphia and some media outlets saying, yes, we want Tampa. We need Tampa. That's the best matchup for the Eagles to play Tampa. How do you you not know about this Brady guy? He's kind of been around for a while. I'm still harping on that. still bothers me because... I, I, I was right everybody everybody thinks Father Time's going to wake up at some point. <sighs> he keeps hitting the damn snooze button. You know, he's got to get up. I think Brian Rossney has hit the snooze button too many times, but who and knows? Un- unretired is Tom Brady's coming back again, and I want no part of him. Let me go on record now. How many months in advance before we get to January? If I'm an Eagle fan, I don't want any part of Tom Brady in the postseason, Okay. Stay the hell away from Tom Brady. Take your chances against everybody else. Uh, but the, the before we got off on a tangent, my point was the Eagles aren't the favorite in the division yet. No, I checked not yet. three or four little web, uh, different websites, including Parks, um, and all of them had the Cowboys somewhere around plus 120, plus 130, maybe up to plus 140, and the Eagles in that plus 160, 170. Parks has actually got the Eagles at plus 180, uh, which is not that bad a bet. Um, at the start of the offseason, after both teams were eliminated in the postseason, they put up the odds as soon as the season ends, Super Bowl wins, Rams win, you can start to bet the 2022 season. The divide between the Cowboys and the Eagles was certainly greater than it is now. I think there's no question the Eagles had the better offseason, made more moves to improve their roster, um, so I would say I know the odds have shrunk on the Philadelphia Eagles. Is that enough? Has Howie done enough this offseason? Because the difference between the two teams was what it was. They played twice last year. Truth be told, they only really played once last year because the last game doesn't count for me when you are starting your JV squad and tell the varsity, we're putting you into protection mode. Yes, Arch Denote has a lot to say about who does or doesn't play or how much the Eagles do or don't play. They do like to protect their players, and they sure as hell showed that last year in the last game of the regular season. 
So he only played once, and yeah, the Eagles got their tails kicked, and they did finish three games behind the Cowboys in the division. So it's understandable that the Cowboys were going to be the favorite coming into this season. Did Howie Roseman close the gap enough in your eyes, in Eagle fans' eyes, um, that they couldn't catch the Cowboys, but they've gotten pretty darn close? Is that enough? Yeah, I mean, I think Howie's done his job. I really do. I I think he's uh, improved this team to the point where how how what uh, this is how I'll describe it, Jody. I I will not be surprised that they beat the Dallas Cowboys and win this division. Doesn't mean they're favorites. I I mean they're very close, and if things uh, break their way, they could easily easily win this division we always talk about list it's list season everybody's doing their list you know i when you weren't here yesterday i leaned on that a lot and now we have you know tier one offensive line from the 33rd team now pro football focus says number one offensive line in the nfl number four wide receiver group in the nfl according to pff yeah two or entire roster no top positional groups i'm just the latest ones they were number four at wide receiver really? Think about that think about that this team hasn't had a thousand yard receiver since jeremy macklin whatever year that was you buying um, that or is that a little no high it's you? a little it's a little bit high but uh you know it's all in relation the domino of getting aj brown who's proven commodity in this league and all of a sudden Devontae Smith isn't your number one. He's your number two. And all of a sudden, Quez Watkins, the domino effect. Um, it it does look good on paper. The offensive line, look, if they're not one, they're two. If they're not two, they're three. I mean, they're up there. Um, you could do this with their defensive line. Um, it's gonna be one, it's gonna be top five uh because of the depth and all all the ability they have up front. And you add Jordan Davis to the mix and even Hassan Reddick, because I'm counting edge rushers as um, uh, defensive lineman, um, you know, linebacker. No, it's not, it's not that high, but it's the deepest it's been in Philadelphia for years and years and years. The, the cornerbacks, um, yeah, you might wring your hands about depth, but the top three, the starters, that's top five in yeah, the NFL. I believe that. Um, tight end, again, you might have issues with depth. Yeah, top five. Yeah, damn right. Um, they're 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 pretty good. They're pretty good from top to bottom, from uh you know two through fifty two. One number one quarterback, both on the field, he's number one. Uh, he's quarterback one, and he's the most important player on this team. Is he good enough to to? close the gap on Dak Prescott to be close enough to that level of play to get the Eagles over the hump in the division. That's the, that's everything about the season is about Jalen Hurts because the Eagles are good enough from two through 52. Are they good enough at quarterback? Still a lot of uncertainty there. The quarterback is the biggest, the biggest question mark because it is quarterback that we're talking about. Um, the other position where I'm going to have questions Sorry, not going to change. Uh, well, safety, yeah. Yeah, it's safety. Yeah. Because if you go through every move that the Eagles made this offseason, the only place where they went backwards 
that they didn't add a potential piece. And some of them are because they're draft picks. You don't know exactly how much they're going to give. It's nice to be able to put a, a resume on a guy and say, here's what he brings to the table. And the, the resume of a college player isn't the same as the resume of a uh, pro player. They didn't upgrade at safety. Defensive line, sure. They're bringing Jordan Davis and your counting Hassan Reddick as a defensive lineman. If that's the case, then they upgraded mightily. Uh, linebacker, you know they upgraded. Uh, I think Kazir White is a uh, an upgrade. N'Kobe um, Dean is what he is as a rookie, but I think he's going to step in and play. Cornerback, they went out and got Bradbury. Offensive line, you can see even say that they added some because Jurgens was a second-round pick. I don't know how much he's going to play. They're getting Isaac Sayamalo back from injury. I think they upgraded on the offensive line. Um, tight end, you're right. Uh, is Greg Calcaterra an upgrade? He was a draft pick that was put into the mix. So even if it's a small upgrade, it's an upgrade. And wide receiver is the major upgrade with A.J. Brown. What'd they do at safety, John? Nothing. Uh, but, uh, you know, I will say this. You, you do um, – two things one everybody you can't have everything everybody's got holes you know you can pick we can do this with whoever you want to look at it we can do it with the rams all the way down to 32 we can pick out the holes of every team um you you know you you, you're never going to have a perfect roster um and the second part is what i said about the spring in the first segment jody player development um, Marcus Epps is a young player. All right. What if he develops? What if he develops? Uh, uh, he, it won't take a lot of development. I already think personally, you know me, I already think he's their best safety now. A lot of people don't agree with me. A lot of people think Anthony Harris is better. A lot of people think Rodney McLeod was better. I think he should have been starting last year, uh, Marcus Epps. Um, and we'll see who's right and who's wrong. Um, but player development, as I said, is real. And, and then Kayvon Wallace. Now, to a, to a certain degree, um, I don't have a, nearly as much confidence in Kayvon Wallace as, as Marcus Epps. But he's still a young player. There's still an opportunity for him to progress as a player. If all of a sudden one of those two guys turns into a competent safety, could be either one, either or, and then you have Anthony Harris as a veteran who, you know what you have. It's not great. It's not terrible. Then you're like, okay, I can live with that. I, I, I'm I with you. I'd still like an improvement. Um, and maybe they'll be able to swing something with a trade or, uh, you know, as we get closer to the season, maybe they get into training camp and they, they have a Ronald Darby moment and they say um, – after they look at the safeties for the first couple of weeks and they say, okay, this just isn't good enough. We have to do something. We have to do something. There's still an opportunity for that to happen. But I, I do think there's young players with some upside at least. Um, last year, in many ways, I was, I was a little bit more disappointed because it was sort of like they were relying on, on the aging veteran descending players, descending players who you knew – all right, they knew what to do. Fundamentally, they're sound, but they don't have it from from an athleticism standpoint anymore. At least they're getting the new blood into the mix, um, and we'll see if it works. We'll see if the younger guys can 
improve if they can't did, did you consider rodney mcleod that type of player that you just described descending oh yeah i mean not rodney's a great guy but i mean he's 32 years old he's got two acls over the past three years he's you know in a lot of ways you look at the contract he got from indianapolis that tells you all you need to know is essentially making a little bit more than a veteran minimum i mean he made less he's making less than anthony harris um yeah I mean, it's, 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 it's sort of like the localized version of Joe Banner's big name trap. Like Rodney's not a big name throughout the NFL, but locally he's a big name because of what he's meant to the organization, both on the field and off the field. Um, And he's been a very good player, but I always say time, time moves really, really quickly in the NFL because he was, you know, good during the Super Bowl years and the and the playoff years. He's not he's not that same guy today. And I think the Eagles I I said it in the offseason. I think the Eagles should have moved on from both of them, Rodney and Anthony, to be honest. Um they certainly had to move on from one of them and they made their decision. All right, so let me ask you this, and I don't remember ever asking you this before this exact way. Should have, but I, if you've already answered this question on a previous Bird 365, we doubled down and uh, go, go back to things uh, many an occasion. The contracts are the contracts. They're done. They're in the books. Don't know how it went negotiating-wise while it was ongoing. Who was fighting for what money? Eagles got to sometimes you got to pull a trigger, say yay or nay or something. But uh, if you had the capability of now going back and saying Rodney McLeod on his deal, Anthony Harris on his deal, who would you rather have? Yeah, I yeah you you asked me that. I I, I think Anthony's slightly better. I would have picked Anthony. Uh, and the contracts, he makes a little bit more, but they're both very cheap. Um, I I thought, in, in fact, if you remember, Jody, I I would I said I would take Anthony, and I thought they would take Rodney. I thought they would defer to his, you know, his work and the what he means to the organization, community stuff, and I thought that would be the wrong decision from a football perspective. I think they picked the right player. They ended up picking the right player, but I think we're, you know, I don't think it's going to matter all that much because I, I think they're both pretty much at the same level of their careers. Um, and they need improvement at, at that position. And, you know, I, I've also said pretty consistently that if they do trade for Chuck Clark, if they do bring in a safety from somewhere else, I think ultimately it will be to replace um, Anthony Harris, not Marcus Epps. Um, but that's just my be- right. well, feeling of the situation. Uh, I know I'm going to annoy Eagle fans because I'm sounding like a broken record. It would be nice if they actually had on-field time to judge things like who actually <laughs> is the better safety within their team right now, a Marcus Epps or a uh, uh, Anthony Harris. But I don't want to get anybody hurt. Uh, so well, we just will sit here and stew in our own speculations and wait till the season uh, gets underway. Don't know. Exactly. And, and by the way, the spring work, Jody, I think it's more important for like a Kayvon Wallace. I think, you know, we kind of, 
Marcus has played enough to where he's still got plenty to prove. But I think people realize, all right, he can play a little bit. You know, he's not going to embarrass you out there. Uh, Kayvon Wallace is still a very young player who hasn't lived up to expectations, who's still young, still has a chance. But it would be very, very helpful if he had that on-field work and the developmental and the teaching periods in the offseason. I think it would be really helpful. That's that's a player where I think spring work is important for, really important for. Um, and and who knows? I mean, there's no way to quantify. Like, what if Kayvon Wallace was born 10 years earlier and, and they still did the way they did things then? Would he be a better player? There's no way to quantify that, but I don't think it would have hurt him. I will say that. I, when you bring up Kayvon Wallace, I almost always, anytime his name is brought up, I think of Davion Taylor, too, because they're both guys taken in the same spot in the draft, haven't developed, haven't blossomed yet. You're hoping for steps in, becomes a starter by year two. Hadn't, hadn't really happened with either of those two guys. I was a little surprised, Jay Mack, when he was one of the individuals that the Eagles chose. And let's not kid ourselves. You can confirm this, Mr. Eagle Beat Reporter. You can make suggestions. You can ask the Eagles basically choose who they make available to you guys to be able to get some questions in for. I was a little surprised when they put Davion Taylor out there because at least the way I read the roster and the depth chart, Davion's going to be hard-pressed to get quality time if N'Kobe Dean is up to speed by game number one with the addition of Kazir White. His reps... I'm not sure how Jonathan Gannon gets him onto the field. Is there more than a meets the eye? I know he started a bunch of games last year, but uh, the injury cost him the end of the season. And I think that seriously pushed him back and hurt him. Uh, why do you think they gave you Davion Taylor? What are we missing here? Um, I think, you know, if you're making that comp, I would say, you know, Davion versus Kayvon because their draft picks the same year. Yeah, Davion's way ahead of Kayvon in the Eagles' eyes. Um, um, now, they're trying to craft out a position for Kayvon. He's the first-team personal protector for Aaron Sipas on punting. So, he, um, he's going to be part of the team. Um and they're and they're trying to get him rolling on special teams and things like that. But um, with Davion, yeah, I think the Eagles like him more than people realize. Um, now, there's a couple problems with Davion. One is, you know, he's very raw. You know the story. Didn't play high school football. Seventh day at Venice. Yada yada yada. Um, very raw. Very athletic. Um, they sort of threw him in the the deep end of the pool last year and he did some nice things as far as adding physicality to the to the defense was very physical player um which you don't often see especially with somebody who can run like he can run so i think they're enamored with his traits they've always been enamored with his traits and why wouldn't you be you should be um the guy can run like the wind but um. It, yeah, the numbers game look difficult now because you have TJ, you have Kaiser, you have Nicobe. But I do think it was interesting, the guys they defaulted to, 
in spring were were TJ Kaiser and, and Davion. Um and they're gonna, you know, bring along the Kobe uh a little bit slower, I think, than people think. And maybe it's because of the pack. We'll never they're never gonna tell the truth. But I think they're gonna bring him on along a little bit more slowly than people realize. Um and and if that's the case and say they say, all right, get healthy, you know, get ready for the second half of the season. You know, if he shows up in training camp and practice and he starts earning playing time, that's great. If not, you're going to need those three linebackers. Um, um, you know, injuries happen. Um, and I think Davion right now, right now is number three. And then you have to worry about the injuries with Davion Taylor. He's been very injury prone um, early in his career. So that plays into it as well. But that's a long way of saying yes, Jody. I think the Eagles think more of Davion Taylor than most people realize. How do Eagle youngsters, rookies, some are second-year players, but you still consider them rather young, uh, how do you go about earning your playing time? with the limited amount of practices. Yeah. Well, I say the same thing. I, you know, it's specifically with undrafted guys, you know, you have a very limited opportunity to open eyes. And this is going back years, you know, when there were two a days, you had limited opportunities, Uh, but you'd always have one or two. Now I don't know how undrafted guys even get a, a, a look, a belief in the radar. It's like when they signed Carrick Wheatball, uh, you know, people say who the wide receiver the Eagles had at their rookie camp on a tryout basis. Um, you know, I'm like, okay, what 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 did Carrick Wheatball show than the other 20 tryout players? My best guess is classroom. You know, uh, understanding the information he was giving, um, more of the test taking, the the mental part of it. Um, you know the physical aspect from all the measurables and the forty times and the and the cone drills and all that nonsense, combine. So you know these guys reach the default of of being NFL level athletes. So what sets them apart when you're not doing football drills for the most part? You don't have pads on. Classroom stuff. All right, let me uh, ask you this because we started today's show talking about Nick Sirianni and uh, where his position was on the record, off the record, about the amount of practice Eagles are putting in during this offseason. And, oh, by the way, we've clipped off a couple of days of our six-week wait until we get to training camp, which the Eagles are hungry for. I love that quote from a couple people. They're hungry for the upcoming training camp. Okay. I'm not sure that uh, anyone can know that to be a fact, but if you want to paint that picture, go with that narrative, go with it, uh, Eagles uh, beat writers. Um, Sirianni's contribution on things like what you were just discussing, watching a guy in a tryout camp and making the decision as to whether he should be one of the guys who's added as an undrafted free agent to the 90-man roster. Um, He comes in as a rookie coach. Basically, he's doing whatever Harry Roseman tells him to do. Uh, roster moves, who's going to play, whatever else. Uh, I think that uh, Nick was heavily influenced on a lot of decisions that were made last year. 
this year during the offseason, putting the roster together, getting the 90 into camp, and then uh, doing what has to be done to cut it down. How much more uh, contribution is Nick Sirianni making in year two as compared to year one? Um, I think it's significant. Um, I I think how he listens to the coaching staff, um, and he's been, been pretty consistent about that. Look, he constantly says, if you're drafting people the coaching staff doesn't like, I mean, you're, 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 you're screwing yourself. I mean, you know, they're not going to use them correctly. They're not, in some cases, they aren't going to use them. Um, you know, I give the example last year because I, I still close to a lot of people in Minnesota, Rick Spielman, and Mike Zimmer sort of divorced and weren't talking to each other it was sort of like a Doug Peterson, Carson Wentz at the end situation. Um, and he drafted Kellen uh, Munn, the quarterback from uh, Texas A&M. And Zimmer didn't want him, didn't like him, didn't talk to him, didn't, you know, was really unprofessional with a young player. Uh, who knows if he turns into a prospect or not down the road. But there's a perfect exam- example of a GM saying, we need a young quarterback. Let's take a flyer on this guy in the third round and the coach didn't want him, and the coach didn't utilize him, the coach didn't help him, um, and, and you kind of know why things went the way they went in Minnesota, and they both got fired because they were both unprofessional. Um, Howie's very cognizant of um, understanding that if, if you're drafting players the coaching staff doesn't want, um, you're, you're hamstringing both the player, the team, and, and really your own job because – um, you know, you're good. You're the one who, whose name is on the draft pick. And a lot of ways, you know, Jalen Rager was supposedly, if you believe people, uh, the coaching staff's decision, uh, the scouting staff wanted Justin Jefferson. He, he deferred to the coaching staff. Um, so it, it, it's always a delicate balance, but I, I think the coaching staff has, and, and, mainly the head coach has always had a big imprint on, on the Eagles and and player acquisition. And that's the way it should be. And if you're telling me that uh, how he has been uh, that type of general manager and has always taken the coach's considerations in to his decision-making and formulating roster, that's a good thing. Uh, The coach and the general manager have to work hand in hand. If you're going to have the ultimate uh, success that you're looking for. All right, EJ McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We are your MAGA Mac guys. Coming up next hour, EJ Smith from the Inquirer is going to jump aboard with us. We'll continue to talk birds here on Birds 365.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Action News, we cherish every moment. And it's our profound responsibility to bring you closer to your world. Never miss a moment. Trust the people at Action News. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, IBEW98.org. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk Champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really, don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left, fake a mom. Mama, go up, mama! She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. We've got John McMullen and Joe McDonald here with you on Verse 365, a Wednesday summertime edition where we're in weight mode. We're evaluating. We're looking at what the Eagles have done to put their roster together, and we'll speculate on potential moves and uh, guys they may be looking at it to either trade for or if uh, we get through training camp, guys will become available. Uh, we're always second-guessing Howie Roseman and or giving Howie Roseman props when we think he's done things right, which he's done a lot of this offseason. But we're also comparing the Eagles to other teams around the league and got to give Howie Roseman at least this much, John. There's, as of right now, no drama with the Philadelphia Eagles, and I define drama as... Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Guys, not showing up. Guys holding out, guys not happy with their current contract situation and or playing status. There's none of that with the Philadelphia Eagles this year. Everyone is expected to be in camp. If anyone is in camp, it's because they've got the Eagles permission to not be in camp, to not show up for any non-mandatory stuff. Uh, So the fact that Harry Roseman's got everybody in camp while other teams like, oh, I don't know, say the Washington Commanders, 
with Terry McLaurin not showing up this week because he wants, having been drafted in the same draft as uh, the Eagles' highly paid new wide receiver, he wants to get paid uh, right now, and I can't say I really blame him. Uh, that is a leg up for the Eagles because they don't have anybody that's worried about a contract situation, do they? No, not right now. And we'll see how long that continues. Obviously, that's a very fluid situation, but there's nobody really obvious. I was going to say, who do you think it's going to be if you take not, not, uh, not right now? Well, then that means at some point somebody could. No, I mean, you know, the Eagles, uh, you know, if you think about them wrapping up, uh, really was, it was Jordan. It was, uh, Dallas Goddard. It was, uh, Josh Sweat, Avante Maddox. It's another thing. People are going to get tired of me, but it's another thing to, to put the feather in the cap of Howie Roseman. I mean, he gets these things done early. Um, and you know, early in free agency that hurt him because people said, all right, that's done. That doesn't count. Um, whereas if they turned out to be free agents and you're wrangling, would have been a big deal to get them back, you know? Right. Um, so that kind of hurt early in the process and that shifted the first two weeks. What is he doing? What's he doing? You got to get to, nobody has any patience. You know how that works, Jody. And then all of a sudden AJ Brown shows up and everybody's happy. But, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, the biggest one is we've been talking about a lot is, you know, probably after the season is Jalen Hurts, and we'll see where it goes um, when you start negotiations there. Um, but, you know, contracts rolling over. Javon Hargrave's in it if you're asking for somebody. But he's not the type that's going to do it. He's in a contract year. He's already been through it in Pittsburgh. He didn't create waves. I don't think he's going to create waves here. Um, Miles Sanders, I don't think he has – the the ability to create waves um to demand anything and i think he realizes it so small chances with players like that but i don't expect to be i don't expect it to be that much of an issue agreed and let me double down on one that you mentioned because it's probably the most important one and that's jalen hurts if you go back and you track what Harry Roseman has done since he's become the general manager and you don't have to go back all that far, like nine months in season when they did get several big, important contracts done after spring, after preseason, in-season contracts renegotiated, extended, and locked up going forward. Is there any chance that that happens with Jalen Hurts this year? Well, give me, give me a percentage chance that the Eagles see enough of what they need to see. Jalen Hurts is enamored with being a Philadelphia Eagle. He wants to get that guaranteed money rather than having to play the fourth year of his contract. What kind of percentage chance would you say there is that the Eagles sign a contract extension in season? So that goes from either week one all the way through week 18. Uh, the Eagles get a contract extension done with Jalen Hurts. Percentage chance. Um, uh, they're, uh, zero because they're not allowed to, um, the, the third year, um, is when you're eligible for an extension. Um, so you're, you, you know, that, that doesn't sort kick of, in, in season. I do not believe so. You got to wait till the whole season yeah. over and done with. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think I, you're right. Uh, yeah. shame on me for even for broaching. It. Yeah. I, I 
95% sure. I'll double check. But yeah, I don't think he's eligible for an extension until after this season. Now, so. does it vary with uh, first round draft picks? Because the first round guys can sign a four year plus a option for a yeah. fifth. If well, it could... varies because you have that option here. It makes it easier if the team has more value. Uh, but it doesn't change from you can't give them the extension till after the third year. But the the problem with the the fifth year option is from a player standpoint is it gives the team that extra year to sort of mull things over if they want it, you know, and it, you get a big spike in salary, but everybody's looking for multiple years and the most guaranteed money as possible. So very similar to the franchise tag for veterans. Most players don't like it. Um, right even though it guarantees you significant money for one year, they'd rather have multiple years in the big signing bonus um, to get as much guaranteed money as possible. So the option year is, is, and that's why it's a team option. It's more desirable for the team than, than the player. And that's not the case with Jalen Hurts because he <laughs> wasn't a first round pick. He was a uh, second round pick. Uh, so we don't even have to go down that line. But uh, Jalen is going to be the starting quarterback, uh, at least depending on who you talk to. He looked good in his seven-on-seven seven drills during this. Yeah, uh, looked very good. Seven-on-seven, seven, babies. You know, if seven-on-seven mattered, I, as I said, Sam Bradford would have a gold jacket. Uh, right. Uh, real real nice that you can complete the ball against limited coverage, but uh, they're going to kind of play when September rolls around, but they're kind of mandated. It's got to be 11 on 11. Um, so uh, the, any improvement you've seen, tighter spirals, more zip on the ball, always good to hear, but it doesn't necessarily equate till Sundays. One of the guys who's pretty complimentary of him was Dallas Goddard. I know you got a chance to talk to Dallas uh, before the Eagles went off on their summer vacation, and he was one who said uh, the ball was coming out of Jalen's hands uh, differently this offseason and uh, looks for it to be even better as the season goes on. How much is he going to rely on Dallas this year? We know A.J. Brown was brought in at a very big cost, paid a lot for him, paid a lot to him. He's got a uh, damn good three-year track record in the National Football League. You and I are both huge Devonta Smith fans and only expect uh, improvement out of him this year. But Dallas is the guy who's been here, safety blanket, um, was the guy who it seemed Hurts would throw the ball to in big spots this past year. How much does Dallas Goddard need to contribute to this team if they're going to go double-digit wins? A lot, uh, but I think that's one of the more interesting questions. Look, I mean, I I think – and the, the old cliche is it's a good problem to have. I don't know if there's ever a good problem in life, but the Eagles now have a bunch of skilled position players who need the football and are going to want the football. And they all can't have the football. There's only one football. And you have A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, throw Kenny Gainwell in there. And I'm just talking about the passing game. I'm not talking about the running part of it. Um, Quez Watkins, obviously, Zach Paschal, I because I think he's going to push Quez Watkins more than people realize uh, to be the third receiver. Um, okay, 
So, you know, I don't think you're concerned if you put the the lesser, the Watkins, the Pascals, the Gainwells aside, um, and center on the big three, so to speak. Um, you know, who's going to be the default setting on third down? To me, that's the most interesting. At the end of last season, that was Dallas Goddard. That was Dallas Goddard. Dallas Goddard was the guy who Jalen Hurts became most comfortable with throwing the football to uh, when he needed a big completion in a big spot. Um, I think there's an opportunity that that could be the same thing um, because I think it's easier, common sense, for quarterbacks to complete passes um, shorter distances over the middle to big bodies. Um, and that's what uh, Dallas can do. You know, think third and five, the chain mover type uh, player, uh, the security blanket type player. But the interesting is Jalen Hurts has never shown an affinity for throwing the football that much uh, over the middle of the field. Um, so maybe he's a little bit different and maybe it becomes A.J. Brown. Maybe it becomes Devontae Smith. But that's going to be one of the more interesting uh, things to keep an eye on. And I know Nick Sirianni's already said, you know, last year he said, okay, game planning starts with 6 and 88. Uh, then it turned into 88 and 6 uh, later in the season. This time he says game planning is going to start with all three, uh, 11, 6, and 88. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how uh, how it shakes out. And and the only way you keep everybody happy, there's one way, Jody, win. If you win, True. everybody will be happy. Mm, not always, but uh, I'll These believe three. it here. These three and, will be. You're, you're right, not always. We, certain. Do you know enough about A.J. Brown to say that yet? Yeah, I do for this reason. He already played in this type of offense. He already played in an offense that was run first, even even more run first than than this one, because Derrick Henry's the guy in Tennessee. Uh, so he's already done it, and he and he never really complained, even to the end. He wanted his money. He he wanted his money. He was disappointed. We had our buddy Teron Davenport on a couple of weeks ago. He was disappointed in the offer. That, that Tennessee gave him, but he never really complained. He never overtly complained about wanting the football or was a bad teammate or, or this or that. So I think you've kind of, kind of already seen he's not going to complain. I know Devontae's not going to complain. It's not in his nature. Nick Saban beats that into his players, evidently. Um, they don't complain. Um, and Dallas hasn't complained. Um, so I think... I think the three players helps, um, but it'll help a lot if you win games. And then guys aren't going to complain. I will <laughs> add this to the mix, even though I hear what you're saying, and I think for the most part you're right. Um, there's a difference between they're not throwing it to me, they're handing it to Derrick Henry, then they're not throwing it to me, they're throwing it to someone else. It's not quite the same thing. I guess I'm getting way deep inside the mind of A.J. Brown, and I don't know him well enough to be able to do that, but I'm just... Uh, no, I fun. hear you. If Devontae's getting 100 receptions and A.J.'s getting 50, I hear what you're saying. Um, 
But I don't think that's going to happen in this offense because, well, I agree with you. Look, Derrick Henry's a superstar, and it's different. The Eagles don't have that at running back. But their their running game is more fueled by the quarterback, and I think it'll turn into the same thing as, you know, Jalen's running the football um, very successfully. Um, I think you'll have sort of the same disconnect. Well, if 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 they're winning games and saying Jalen makes big plays running the football. All right, let me. Uh, we'll. we'll uh, I'll ask you this one, and we'll uh, get set for our first guest of the day, EJ Smith of the Enquirer, scheduled to join us. Last year, Jalen Hurts ran it for seven hundred and eighty-four yards. He threw for 3,144 yards, so 3,900 yards total, either through the air or on the ground generated by the quarterback. Certainly, we're going to want to see a little bit of an uptick, Uh, so we'll get it to 4,000, let's say, which is not a great uptick, but uh, we got to go one way or the other, so we're going up uh, because we're optimistic. What's the breakthrough? What's the breakdown Perfect breakdown for the Eagles this year. Do you want to see Jalen Hurts running for more, running for less? How much does the passing yards have to go up if the running yards are going to go down? Um, Last year, almost 3,900 yards with the breakout being 784 and 3,144. What would, in a best-case scenario, be the breakout for Jalen Hurts' yards this year if he was up over 4,000? Um. If we were up over 4,000, so we're talking about the receivers and what sort of divvying that out, is that what you're saying? No. Well, what's the number for Jalen Hurts? If if the Eagles would like to see him running it somewhat less, and, well, I'll start there. Do the Eagles want Jalen Hurts running for 764 yards again this year? Probably not. Okay. So that's Probably my point. Not. If that number is going to come down, you're hoping to add to the passing yards. How much above and beyond 3,100 does he have to go? If we're targeting over four thousand, we're not saying he's getting a 4,500. Yeah, I don't. I don't see four. I don't see Jalen as a 4,000 yard passer, and I hope I'm wrong. Oh, 4,000 total passing uh, 4, and 000, rushing. Yeah, I I see what you're saying. Uh, I would say 3,500 is is sort of. I think where they want him to be passing wise. Um, and that would obviously cut it down to about 500 rushing yards, but boy, this is a really difficult, just difficult. I'm, I'm not going to call it a problem, but you don't want to hamstring Jalen hurts running the football. And, and Nick has talked about this. That's what makes him the player. He is the unique player. He is. I don't want to beat that out of him. The Eagles don't want to beat that out of him. Uh, on the other hand, he got hurt. He got hurt November 28th or whatever it was against the Giants. And he wasn't the same. He wasn't healthy, um, as healthy the rest of the season, played through it, ultimately had surgery. Um, so it's it's difficult when you have a running quarterback. Uh, it, 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 he if you turn Jalen Hurts into, oh, he's just going to drop back and we're not concerned. You kind of saw it in when he was struggling uh, post that ankle injury, people figured out, oh, he's not going to run it. Then it became more difficult uh, for him to throw it because he didn't have that ability and, and teams knew uh, he wasn't going to pull it down as much. 
Um, I, I, it, it's, it, it, I, I'd let him play and and see how it shakes out. And by let him play, I mean I don't want to, I don't want to put any restrictions on him. I don't want to tell him no. You have to throw the football here. Uh, you have to do this. I'm concerned about the injury part of it as well. Um, but you got to let him. You got to let him do what he does well. Uh, is the best way I I can describe it. Mm, you, you're right. He did only rush it twice against the Giants after coming back the the week against the uh, no when uh, no first time against the Giants he did rush eighty eight times for seventy seven yards in that first game after he missed the game against the Jets. So first couple of uh, games he did rush it uh, against the Giants at home. He only rushed it twice. Um, I think they'd like to see him rush less, but I'm with you. It is still a weapon that you don't want to completely, you don't want to take that bow out of his quiver and say, never run again. It'll be a balance between uh, Jalen Hurts and when he does and when he doesn't pull the trigger in, in the pocket this upcoming season. All right, Jody McDonald and John McMullen, your Mac and Mac guys. We're going to talk to EJ Smith and the Inquirer. He's up next here on Birds 365. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on Exodus. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, ibew98.org. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. The glass is for cocktails, right? It's for this, this, this. And that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. 
zero carbs, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. You've got your Mega Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald, hanging with you here on Birds 365. Go ahead and hit that like button. You got to help us out with our algorithm. No. <laughs> EJ, how can you not hit that like button with EJ on the screen with us? <laughs> you got to hit it. Yeah, what do the, the, the kids say? You got to smash that like button and uh, smash, smash that like button. Yeah, that's what we get, EJ. EJ, yeah, smash that like button. Yeah. Like, share, and subscribe. Thanks, EJ. Appreciate it. Do appreciate you hopping on board with us. All right, so you got a little uh, summer vacation. What are you doing with yourself uh, with your quote-unquote downtime other than watching us here on Birds 365 and liking yourself? Well, we're, um, my wife loves to go on trips. I hate it, honestly. I, I like staying <laughs> at home. Um, but she went out this year, so we're going on a, on a trip next week. And then um, probably after that, I'll win, and we'll get to stay home for a couple weeks before the yeah. uh, before training camp starts. I'm yeah. with you, EJ. Yeah. We do too much traveling. Yeah, EJ and I see us, see each other in the airport too much. Yeah, I like and I like my house. I like to stay here and relax. So <laughs> it looks like a nice house, as a matter of fact. Uh, nice. Good for you. Thank you. Um, appreciate it. <laughs> all right. Uh, so when you're just spending some downtime and going through your eagle stuff and what you've already written in 2022 and what you're expecting to do when summer camp opens up, what's the first story you're going to write when the Eagles officially open up training camp? Uh, the quarterback is obvious, the coach, uh, new additions and the like. Is there one out there that you're going, yeah, but if I get a chance to talk to this guy, here's a story I think uh, could open people's eyes when they come hungry back to camp. Well, I think the biggest thing is I'm, I'm excited to see what this defense looks like once they put the pads on. Um, I, get, I know that's not one specific player. If I had to pick one specific player, it'd be A.J. Brown. Um, you know, he's just – I'm really – I'm anticipating what he's going to look like in the offense, but I really do think that we're, we, we have, I feel like we have a lot of questions about what this defense is going to look like. We have an idea uh, so far, but we're not going to really know until they put the pads on and we start seeing 11 on 11. So that's the thing I'm probably most an anxious to see. Um, I think that's the biggest question mark going into camp. Now, EJ, yeah, I, I just wrote about the defense. I'm surprised, and, and Nick uh, made that quip about I'll never tell what uh, i'm paraphrasing but um someone asked him are you going to play three four or four three and nick was like i'll never tell uh <laughs> um which i found i found kind of comical i mean i do you think people get too caught up into those labels because ultimately you're going to see three man fronts four man five even six man i think and I wrote about this, and I want to get your thoughts on it. I, I think we're we're about to see, forget Mike Zimmer, Matt Eberflus, we're about to see Vic Fangio. And really, it's Vic Fangio, Brandon Staley. I think that's the defense we're going to get from the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I mean, that's like the trendy the trendy thing in the league right now. And I, I think you're right. I just think it's going to – I think we're seeing the same thing that we saw maybe, what was it, 10 years ago, five years ago with uh, Seattle and the cover yeah, three. exactly. Kind of where everybody started running cover three. Everybody was single high safety, cover three. I think you're going to start seeing that over the next three or four years where every defense kind of goes the other way. 
Um, so yeah, I think you're right. <clears throat> I think multiplicity is always going to be the the thing with Gannon. Um, and it, like you talking about this reminds me of last training camp where they ran like three, four fronts a ton in training camp yeah. last year. And I remember I kept like, you know, asking around, like, are they going to run a three, four this season? And you kind of, Oh no, they're probably just working on that from training camp. And the answer like throughout the season was kind of inconclusive. They ran both. Um, but they did go to more three, four than I thought. So I think you're right. You can read too much into training camp. They could just be working on, you know, specific packages. We don't have all the answers when we're out there. You know, we don't get to talk to the coaches about why they do what they do. Um, and, you know, I think Nick Sirianni does really prioritize, like, we don't want to give any anything up about our scheme going into week one. You know, some teams, you know, their players will tell you about the scheme, you know, they'll sort of divulge. I think the Eagles are one of those teams. They don't want, they want every advantage they can get. Um, some of, sometimes it feels like people are going to know what you want to do, you know, like, you know, is it really worth all this effort to try and keep it a secret? But there are also, you know, some wrinkles I'm sure they want to keep under wraps that, you know, might give them an advantage in week one. This is one area where I don't begrudge Nick Sirianni trying to get that little competitive advantage. Sometimes I think he overdoes it. Won't declare who's going to play. And uh, I'm not going to tell you that. Why would I tell you that ahead of time? <laughs> Sometimes he goes a little overboard. But this is one where I can absolutely justify it. That's, I think, what Gannon wants to do as much as anything else with his defense is be deceptive. Being able to hide what they're going to do and make the quarterback do his read once the ball's been snapped, rather than be able to lay certain out things in his own mind pre-snap. Yeah, that's a big difference on like what they were doing early in the season. I feel like the one of the biggest indictments on the defense early last year was they're pretty predictable. You know, they had a pretty oh, – sorry, I got a fly in here. <laughs> um, they've been pretty predictable. You know, they kind of ran everything out of a similar formation. I think this year they're definitely trying to prioritize, like, you know, being able to – you know, run different, different things out of the same look and, you know, disguise what they're doing a little bit more. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think that uh, that's probably a priority for them this year. Um, you know, the safety situation makes it a little more difficult, I would imagine, you know, like having a great athlete who can sort of get to different coverages, whether they're in the box or, you know, uh, over the top is, is definitely, um, you know, it's a way to help disguise things. And I'm, that's probably the one spot where I don't know if they have the, the athletes to do that. Um, but they definitely do, you know, want to be able to run a lot of things out of the same same uh, formation. Well, let's talk about safety, uh, EJ. Jody and I were discussing that uh, a little bit uh, before you came on the show. Um, it is the one notable weakness on paper of this team, at least among the starters. Um, if, you know, week one rolls around, I had to pin you down and say, are, are, are the Eagles safeties they have right now, is that going to be the group that shows up for week one, even after the cut to 53? Are they going to go outside the organization to add somebody at that particular position? Yeah, I mean, Chuck Clark, the Raven safety is a guy that a lot of people talk about. And, you know, there's, there's, it makes sense. I mean, you know, he's a, he's a good, quality starter safety you know nothing unbelievable but he's he's a competent starter he just kind of got displaced by Kyle Hamilton um and Marcus Williams so uh yeah I, I mean if, if if he gets unhappy about not having a starting spot I could see that you know maybe happening for the Eagles but I think I mean they project confidence in this group now they project confidence in a lot of things that may, they may or may not be confident about but I mean I think it kind of is what it is and I think you know, just knowing what I know about Jonathan Gannon's defense and kind of what he values, I don't think that safety is this high-priced, you know, 
got to have a, you know, dynamic athlete at that position. You know, I don't think that he wants to invest a ton in that position. Um, so I think, you know, if I think all things considered, if you had to have a weak spot somewhere, it might be, you know, on at safety, just because those guys are farther away from the ball. It's harder to affect the ball at that position. Um, so I would say I, I, I'd say it's more likely than not that the, the guys they have are the guys they'll go into week one with. But I do think Chuck Clark is like that one guy that I've been you know trying to keep an eye on. All right. This is probably an unfair question, but I'm going to go ahead and ask it of you anyway. Um, speculation on when we get to the end of the season and go looking back on uh, the amount of times that guys are on the field, linebacker position. We know most plays Eagles are probably going to have two linebackers on the field. There'll be some plays they're sure they'll get all three linebackers on the field and a whole bunch of plays where they'll be in dime defense and you're only going to have one linebacker on the field. Of the three guys who figure to do most of the linebacker play for the Eagles, uh, Edwards, White, and N'Kobe Dean, give me the percentage breakdown of snaps they play over the course of the year. Hmm, that is a tough question. So I'm writing. I'm writing about linebackers. Well, it was unfair. I, so. I admitted ahead of time it was an unfair question. I'm, I'm not a nice guy. In case you haven't figured that out, EJ, I ask unfair questions. I think you're. I think you're selling yourself a little short there. So I'm writing about linebackers tomorrow. So I do have linebackers on the brain. Um, I, so if I had to go percentages, I do think that TJ Edwards is kind of he offers a unique skill set in this group. Um, and I think that, you know, I think sometimes obviously he played pretty well last year and people started to come around on him. I think he sometimes gets like undersold because he doesn't have the highest ceiling. He's not the best coverage linebacker, but he's just a good football player. You know, like he's instinctual um, and he's kind of gives them like that force that I think that Nick Sirianni really, really prioritizes, you know, like violent players. Um, so I think that you'll see a lot of him, especially in, on early downs. I could see Kaiser White or N'Kobe Dean being that like, you know, dime linebacker. Um, and then, you know, I heard you guys talk about this earlier, and this is this is what my story is going to be about tomorrow. It's uh, Davion Taylor. Like, you can't – I don't think you can count him out. You know, the coaching staff seems high on him. He's been getting a lot of work in OTAs. And it's the type of thing where this guy's always had the athleticism. You know, he played a lot last year, and you saw he made plays that no other guy on the field last year was able to make, or at least no other Eagles linebacker was able to make last year. Now, obviously they've made a lot of additions at the position, but I still think that, you know, Davion Taylor is in the mix here where he might be able to carve out a role for himself because he does, he's got the physical traits to be a good coverage linebacker. Um, so I know uh, Kaiser White, like, you know, people are optimistic about him, but he's a, you know, veteran linebacker on a one-year deal. I think that at some point toward the back end of the season, you could see N'Kobe Dean or uh, Davion Taylor kind of, um, maybe overtake his snaps uh, as the, as they bring those guys along. Um, but if you had to give me, if I had to give you a percentage, I would say give me like Edwards, like 50 or 60% of the snaps, mostly on early downs. Give me Kaiser White at like 35. Um, yeah, give me Kaiser White at like 50. And then I would say that Davion Taylor and Nicobe Dean will probably start off like we're playing like 25% of the snaps. And then one of them will probably separate themselves and get up to 50 by the end of the year. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up uh, Davion, as you mentioned, EJ, Jody and I were talking about him. I'm sort of in the same camp you are. I think the Eagles like him a, a, a little bit more than most people realize uh, because of those traits and that athleticism. Uh, and he was really physical. You know, yeah. normally you start, you, you, you talk about Kaiser White and you say, wow, you know, there's a pass coverage guy. He can he can stick to tight ends and, you know, former college safety. 
but you don't talk about that physicality. So to have somebody who can run but also thump, that's very unique sort of in, in the modern NFL. So I do think just put an asterisk on, on Davion Taylor's name. And the injuries are part of it as well because he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Right, yeah. Um, but it, it, it it's great. It, isn't it great to talk about linebackers and we don't know because the Eagles have multiple options? Yeah. It's unbelievable. Even uh, last year during training yeah. camp, Gannon rotated his linebackers so much that it's like I had no idea who was going to actually be playing by week one. I don't know if he did either. I think he just kind of wanted to see see what worked. So yeah, like he was wrong about Eric Wilson. I love JG, <laughs> but he was dead wrong. And I, I yeah. said day one on, on Jody will tell you. EJ, yeah, I said Eric Wilson can't play. I, yeah. I think John's line was, I don't think Wilson can cover me. Uh, as a There's more run support, well, actually. Or tackle me. Support. Yeah, you're right. I apologize. Yeah. He certainly I don't think, he can, bring, I don't think yeah. he can bring me down. Yeah. 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 Well. Not a very good run support linebacker, but the Eagles no. have improved uh, at, at linebacker to such a degree. And that's a bigger theme. And that's where I'll, I'll go next uh, with you, EJ. This team's gotten better uh, in multiple positions. You talked about AJ Brown and his impact on this offense. And all of a sudden, you know, pro football focus is talking about this is a top five receiver group. And I see that, haven't yeah. had a thousand yard receiver since Jeremy Macklin. It's amazing. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, we know how good the offensive line, the defensive line, tremendously deep. We talked about linebackers, tight end with Dallas Goddard, corner. You got three really good starters. Maybe have some depth issues at those positions. Expectations seem to be ramping up for this Eagles team. Um, too high, too low about where they should be. Um, or, or do you think people are, I use this, phrase all the time skipping steps with the eagles uh and going straight to contender yeah i don't know about contender just yet i really do when people ask me you know what do you think about the eagles this year i just tell them you know i really do i think it's going to be a matter of how far can jalen hurts take them you're right they've got enough they've got a lot of talent on offense they rebuilt the defense we have to see what it looks like we have to see you know how the pieces all fit together and you know just figure out what what it's going to look like but um i do think that to be a true contender in this league, you need a quarterback that can beat the best guys in the playoffs. And Jalen Hurts flashed that sometimes last year, but honestly, they didn't really beat a lot of good teams last year, and they struggled in the playoffs. So I do think that, you know, this is a, an important year for Nick. It's an important year for a lot of guys, but Nick and Jalen both, to me, it's like there's no there's no excuses. You know, it's you've got two top-tier receivers. You know, I think Devontae Smith's going to have a really good year. You've got a, you know, one of the best offensive lines in football. You have a pretty good running back rotation. It's up. It's everything is there for Jalen Hurts to, you know, take that next step. So if he does it, then yeah, I do think that they could, you know, I think they should make the playoffs. I think they could, you know, make some noise in the playoffs if Jalen Hurts can play well in those games. And if he doesn't do it, then we'll be kind of where we were last offseason where, you know, there's a raging debate on whether or not he's the long-term answer. So I do think – I think that the Eagles have set themselves up well with the way they've handled this offseason because now you will, you'll have an answer on Jalen. And also, if, you know, the answer isn't what you what you hoped, you, you have an offense that, you know, if the next wave of whoever it is, Russell Wilson and Matt Ryan, these guys become available, they'll probably – they'll see the Eagles as a more enticing option than they did last offseason because they have a good offense and, you know, a situation that, you know, a quarterback, a veteran quarterback would want to be a part of. Um, 
so yeah, I um I think the expectations really come down to what what Hurts looks like this year. Um, yeah, I don't I don't you're, like being the Debbie Downer guy or the glass half empty guy, but when yeah. I think it needs to be, I'm going to say it. Eagles were 24th in the National Football League in yards passing last year. Mm-hmm. And a big part of that was they made the decision to run the football more. Can't get passing yards if you're running the football. But they were 24th. And yeah. now you're going to put them in the top five in receiver groups <laughs> going into this year? Uh, which one is happening? A.J. Brown is catching for 1,600 yards or Zach Pascal is going for 900. One of those two things have to happen if they're going to get into the top five, EJ. Which one am I missing? <laughs> no, I, I'm with you. When I saw that ranking, I was thinking, like, are they including Dallas Goddard in the equation here? Because if you put Goddard in there, maybe I can start to see it. But, yeah, I mean, I think top one and two, you can find. it's hard to find a lot of teams that have a better one-two combination. And, again, this kind of depends on what you think of Devontae Smith. I, I personally think – you know, rookie receivers usually take a couple years to figure it out. The fact that he was so good as a, as a rookie, I think, is a good omen. And he's looked good in OTAs for whatever that's worth in seven-on-sevens. I think he could take a leap this year. But still, I completely agree with you. I mean, it's – um oh, the tight ends were included in the top receiver. Yeah, so, yeah they were. Okay, so um, that's that, – well, that, Yeah, it makes sense to and, me. But the I mean, 24th I, yeah. in the NFL in passing – with tight ends last year. That's everyone included well, last year's stats, too. Uh, so, I mean, the receiving core, you know, their yeah, pass the receiving core are talented. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, it was Jalen Hurts more than the receivers last year that kind of led to that. And just, the, the again, like you said, the offense they ran. Um, I think this year, with the, with the amount of talent they have at those positions, it makes sense that they're up there. I still thought it was a little bit high. If I'm being honest, I'm. But I, I, I always say, EJ, receivers by nature of their and tight ends, I'm including, and Dallas is included. They need a vehicle to get them the football. It doesn't mean they're not good. One of the things we were talking about, Terry McLaurin wanting a new contract, and Jody knows I, I love Terry McLaurin. I think he's one of the most underrated receivers in football. One of the reasons why is because he has produced no matter who the quarterback is, quarterback Mm -hmm. after quarterback after quarterback, it's really difficult to do that when you don't have the high volume guy. Like as good as, as, as good as Justin Jefferson is and Eagles fans know because of the Jalen Rager debate, you know, look at Kirk Cousins over the years, dating back to Washington. It's 4,000, 4,000, 4,000, 4,000. He's always a high volume thrower. Um, If, if AJ Brown, and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard had that style of quarterback, I don't think people would be complaining about top four. I think they are, talent-wise, they should be discussed in that group. No, I'm, I'm completely with you on all that. I think Terry McLaurin is an underrated receiver. Um, and, I, I mean, A.J. Brown, that's the one thing that, you know, a lot of people noted when, when the trade happened is he's sort of used to being in an offense that's, center yeah. on the run yeah and like you know i think that jalen hurts and ryan Tannehill, Tannehill are like similar in some ways as far as like caliber of quarterback i think Tannehill's proven a little bit more recently but um you know i do think that aj brown's played in offenses like this and still produced um you know so i, I i'm with you there though that like you know some of these guys are definitely benefiting from having consistent quarterback play in offenses that center around them even if they're not you know, Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, it's still, you're in a, you know, Stefan Diggs had great numbers when he was in Minnesota. And then obviously, you know, he goes to Buffalo. 
he's like the number one guy and it, it kind of picks up a little bit, but yeah, no, I'm with you there that, you know, those guys are talented. It's just like the offense that they're kind of working in is maybe limiting their stats a little bit more. Who held Terry McLaurin down more? Alex Smith, Taylor Heineke, Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, All of the point. above. I get All your point, John, that he hasn't yeah, had right. that high-volume <laughs> passer just yet. Yeah. All right, uh, since we're talking about the, the competition in the division, the commanders, Giants, new coach, new general manager, have turned their roster over pretty good. Uh, not drastic, not complete takedown, but certainly in rebuild mode. Can Daniel, is there any, give me a percentage chance Daniel Jones surprises everybody and becomes a uh, improved, I won't even say very good, I'll just say improved quarterback for the Giants this year. So are you asking, so the Cowboys are not in this, right? It's just the Commanders I and the Giants? I started with the Commanders, I'm getting to the, the <laughs> okay. Giants, then I'll get to the Cowboys. <laughs> okay, so so we'll talk, so we're just talking Giants here. I mean, listen, they made a lot of changes and I think I really like their draft. Um, their offseason, I mean, as a whole, is okay. Um, I don't know. I think that – I think, like, Daniel Jones is, like, simultaneously, like, overrated and underrated, honestly, like, <laughs> in a funny way. Like, I think that, like, you know, people talk, oh, he's a, he's a good athlete, and he is. He can run. But, like, I just feel like the pressure that he handled – like, you know, I feel like some quarterbacks get ruined by, like, bad protection. I feel like he's kind of gotten to that point. Um, so, like – but at the same time, like, I don't think he's like a, you know, he's gonna, he's not going to like absolutely tank your season. Um, so I don't know. I've, basically every opinion I hear on Daniel Jones, I kind of disagree with, if that's, if that makes any sense to you. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't think that he's the type of guy that's going to like, you know, give the Eagles a whole lot of trouble. Um, I do think like the Brian Dable hire is probably going to help him a little bit, but I'm, I'm not one of these guys that like buys that you hire a head coach to like fix a quarterback. Um, so I guess I'm not super worried about the Giants. Uh, you know, if I were an Eagles fan, I wouldn't be worried about them this year. Um, but I'd be more worried about them than I would be about the Commanders. <laughs> Just in case you don't know my opinion on Daniel Jones. Can't play. Yeah. Uh, Jerry is not play. a Daniel Jones no, fan. No, no, I'm no, kind no, of no. – I'd like that description. I might steal that description. Overrated me. and underrated yeah. at the same time. I like yeah. that. He's not <laughs> no, quite any, as bad as – Anyone people. who thinks he can play is overrated. Anyone <laughs> yeah. who thinks he can't play, yeah, you got it right. Yeah, um, he has his moments. Yeah. He, he's, yeah. he's gifted. His big moment he's was being tripped by the five-yard line in Philadelphia. <laughs> you got to run, run 70 line. yards to get tripped by the five-yard line. Show. He was moving before that. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a good uh, uh, representation of his career. It's like, Kevin, <laughs> it's like our buddy Kevin Kincaid. Did you see the video of Kevin Kincaid, uh, Jody, and no. the crossing broad in the media game? Yeah, it looked like Daniel Jones until he tripped <laughs> Did he? up. No, he didn't trip up. I'm joking. But um, – uh, it, the Giants, since we went down that route, uh, to me, they look like the team that's saying, all right, we're going to rebuild this thing. Yeah, and They're probably moving on from Daniel Jones uh, after this season. They're probably going to move on from Saquon Barkley, EJ. But the interesting thing to me about the Giants is they hired another coach. They've been on this two-year plan. Hopefully they got it right. And this I'm, I'm going to translate back to the Eagles. It looks like, at least, that Brian Dayball comes in, you know, right offensive guy who developed Josh Allen, but he's not going to call plays. Mike Kapka is going to call plays. And here we have Nick Sirianni in year two, what really happened in year one about midseason, gave up the play calling to Shane Steichen 
to become more of a CEO coach. I like it. Jody knows I like it. Is this a trend in the NFL, or do you think it's still a little bit unique? Because to me, it takes some testicular fortitude, shall we say, <laughs> to to get hired as an offensive guy and say, nope, I'm not going to call plays. I got other stuff I got to do. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I I mean, it's it seems like a trend, but at the same time, I wonder – just because it is like, you know, Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay are the mold, you know, these trendy, yeah. oh, you want to have, you want to hire your play caller and you want them in the head coaching spot so you don't lose them. But I do think that there's a lot of validity to like, you know, even if, I mean, Kyle Shanahan's like a, a gifted, gifted player. Yes, caller, he is. And that's yes, his superpower. Is. And that might be more his superpower than being the CEO. But if, if you feel like, and I think Nick feels this way, you know, if you feel like you're, your offense is your offense. And like, you know, there's so much game planning that goes in and you have an offensive coordinator that you trust by Sunday is going to have the same vision that you have and also have the ability to be a little bit detached from everything else. I feel like that makes a lot of sense. You know, I agree with you. I think like, I think people have made a big deal of it. Like, you know, people have been concerned. Oh, well, what if Steichen gets hired and you know, everything else. And you know, like this, Nick was hired as a play caller, but like Nick wasn't really hired as a play caller. I mean, he hadn't called plays before. And, you know, I mean, I feel like as an offensive mind, if you're the head coach, you still have so much influence on what, what is run that you don't have to necessarily be the one like calling the plays on Sunday to be like, you know, the, basically like the most influential person on the offense. Um, so no, I agree with you. I do think it makes a lot of sense. You know, I mean, just as a head coach, you have so many jobs on game day that I get it. Like being, you might not be able to devote so much of your energy into calling plays. And I think that's where Steichen comes in. So yeah, I I'm with you. I I'm not sure if I call it a trend yet. It feels like it could go that way, but I just do. I think that all these owners are going to keep watching the 49ers and the Rams have this success and go like, we have to hire our play caller because we don't want to lose it. It's too important, especially when you have young quarterbacks, you know, it's like you want that consistency. So. All right. EJ, uh, tough slash unfair question early. <laughs> I'm going to try and balance the scales here. Give you an easier one tricky, but, but easier just the same. Um, John and I talked about this earlier, Howie Roseman last year, got guys signed to contract extensions before the end of the season hit. He got Carter done. He got uh, Mylotta done. He got Maddox done. Uh, and how he certainly has a track record of doing this. Identify a guy who's already on the roster. Think he's part of your core. See if he can get a contract done so you don't have the pressure of the offseason. He's been very good at it. I'm only asking for one name. One guy. Mm -hmm. Last year, he had a couple that he got done in season. Who's the most likely candidate who is on the Eagles roster now? And it could be like an Edwards who got an extension in season, only one year, but an extension just the same. So who's the one guy who's most likely to get a contract extension in season from the Eagles? Hmm. That is actually a tough question. <laughs> Do you got well, something, here's, here's, here's the reason why it's not uh, tough. Javon. Uh, it would have to be Javon yeah. or Miles, and I don't think it's going to be Miles. It's not going to be Miles for sure. I, I feel like the Eagles are going to see what happens with him in the offseason. I could see Javon, but I, yeah, I, I, I agree. I guess I'm with you. It's Javon. I was trying to think from that rookie class, <clears throat> and there's nobody that you would think, like, oh, yeah, they want to lock him up. Um, at least that comes to mind. So, yeah, I'm sorry. That was actually trickier than the last okay. one. I, <laughs> I think, I think yeah. it's probably Javon. I mean, unless like, 
And I don't think they want to extend Javon. I think, EJ, that they want to look at I think Jay Bond's going to be here next year or Fletcher. I think well, I was about to say, unless you, unless yeah. let's say like I could see a world where like Milton Williams plays really well this year. You already have Jordan Davis and maybe Fletch has a, you know, a resurgent year and you feel like, let me bring him back for one more year. Is Javon the odd man out there? I don't, I, I don't see that happening. I think Javon is the ascending player and Fletch is sort of, you know, seems like he's, you know, kind of going the other way. Um, so but I, I'm, I'm with you. I think Javon's one of the only guys this year that I can look at. Like last year, it was obvious. Like, okay, like Sweat, Mylotta, there's a lot of guys. This year, it's like, hmm, like that draft class, you know, not as many guys you might want to lock down. And Howie deserves credit for that, by the way, because sure. they don't have a lot of those guys where you got to make these difficult decisions. So. Sure, yeah. But sometimes it doesn't work out. I mean, that's what the Eagles did with Carson Wentz. They identified this is our guy. It didn't work out. So yeah. it can go both ways. Let me let me give you my guy because I don't think uh, anyone will agree with me on this one, but that's okay. I think it's going to be Kazir White. Hmm. I know they just signed him. I know they just gave him a one year deal. Yeah. But if he comes in and fits the system, and Gannon really likes him, and he does what Gannon needs in his defense, I would not be surprised that they wanted to talk extension with yeah. him. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. thinking about the prove it guys. Team. It's a good yeah. point because Bradbury could be in that conversation. I was just Bradbury, about to say, yeah. I feel like Bradbury wants to hit the market, though. I yeah. feel like it would it would Probably. take a pretty pretty if he, uh, especially if he plays well. It would take a pretty big season. extension yeah. to get Bradbury to uh, to not hit the market. I feel like yeah. that's. I feel like if they get really good play from him, he's going to cash in big next yeah, offseason. That's a good point. Yeah. He is EJ Smith at EJ Smith 94. Read him at inquire.com. He's going to be writing about those linebackers and Kaiser White, Jody. So check that out. I'm going to leave it here. I brought up Shane Steich and call him the plays. We know how close Jonathan Gannon was to being a head coach this offseason. What's just more likely to happen if the Eagles have a playoff season <laughs> this time? Now, is Gannon getting the head coaching job or is Shane Steichen getting the head coaching job? I'm still going Gannon. I feel like, you know, nothing nothing against Steichen, but even as the play caller, I think if I were, you know, an owner of one of these teams and I had to pick a head coach, I would be looking at Steichen and I'd just go, was it your offense? You know, what role did Kevin Petulo play in everything? You know, everything. I feel like the Eagles offensive uh, hierarchy, the coaching staff makes it harder uh, to really pinpoint which which guy is the one, you know, responsible for the success. So I would still go Gannon. I feel like, um, you know, even after a year where I think we'd all agree it was like so-so production out of the group, he still got a lot of buzz because, you know, how he's viewed in the league. And I do think that, you know, I think how how – what Howie said about it is correct. I think they're renting him. So, EJ, we appreciate you coming on board. We'll let you get the fly killing. I was about to you say, don't get that bad. fly. Yeah. <laughs> the, the wife is going to hustle you out onto the road yeah. before you actually want to go. She's not going to be hanging out with the flies. Yeah. That's on you, buddy. So, uh, yeah. get relentless. Got taken care of He's relentless. You yeah. get, maybe, maybe introduce Nick Sirianni to that fly. Maybe he could be yeah. helpful. I closed the door, so he's got nowhere to go either. Yeah. So, now I got to, yeah, that's. That's the first thing I'm doing when I get yeah. off with you guys. Get so. that fly swatter out and take care of that fly. EJ, great yeah. stuff. Thanks. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Appreciate it greatly. That's EJ Smith. Uh, great job out of him from the Inquirer hopping aboard with us on Birds 365. All right, final timeout. We come back. We've made it 
an hour and 52 minutes. There have been no technical difficulties except what the hell happened to Ryan Rothstein. We're still trying to figure that out. But both McMullen and McDonald's still here. And we're coming back to put a bow on the show. Go for the polls and the pools. Go for the oohs and the odds. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Welcome back, guys. Here on Bird 365. Uh, we've only got a couple of minutes left to play. Did want to ask you about a couple quarterbacks. Not that it has any effect on the Eagles. This is more of an NFL question than a specific Eagles question. A couple of guys who we've been speculating on since the season ended. Quarterbacks in new places for the upcoming year. Jimmy Garoppolo is still a 49er, right, J-Mac? That hasn't happened, even though his coach came out. I know you're a big shot and guy. But he came out and kind of threw him under the bus yeah, about did. a month ago and said, oh, really thought he'd be traded by now. Threw both his quarterback and his general manager under the bus, as a matter of fact. He's still with the 49ers, right? He's going to be there. Is he going to be cut? Yeah. 
I don't know that he's going to be traded. No one is. Well, one of the problems is he's not healthy. I mean, he had he had surgery, so that I think he would have been traded if he was healthy. Um, but ultimately, yeah, when the head coach, uh, who is maybe the best play caller in the NFL, uh, throws you under the bus, it's pretty clear that uh, the 49ers want to move forward with Trey Lance. So that's kind of where I would you know, if I'm a betting man, I'm going to place my, my bet there. The price has been now we went, we went, Jody, we went an hour and 55 minutes and I'm on my, my side of the equation. Tone, you can chime in. Can you hear Jody or are we having technical issues? Is that just me? I guess we're getting out a couple of minutes early. Uh, we may be having some technical issues. So, yes, we're going to put a wrap on things. Uh, we'll get the rest of the technical issues uh, uh, worked out for tomorrow's Birds 365 because John McMullen and Jody McDonald will be back in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365.